Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 45 of Retro Hangover. the internet over the streaming service of your choice where we are just jolly jumping jealously for no reason drawing it at jewels just say genesis damn it this is episode 45 of retro hangover i am your co-host chris copeline and i am joined as always by your host shane dick dragon blast processor koski you know, I know that you're recording this from like a hotel right now, yes. and I really hope that you've got some neighbors right now that are just really, really confused. Oh, yeah. The guy who works with me is right behind me, and sometimes you can hear what they say. So um, they're probably oh, great. wondering what the fuck I'm doing right now. Uh, being awesome. Yeah. They're all just really jealous. That's, oh, yeah. That's probably, that's probably what it is. So how are you doing, Shane? How have you been? Man, fuck Amazon. <laughs> Yeah, fuck them. I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna open with that because God, I'm so irritated right now, man. Uh, I I don't you know what I don't want to take up a whole bunch of time on on the episode going off on a tirade or whatever. But dude, ever since they stopped leveraging like USPS and like FedEx and whatever for their deliveries and started doing like whatever this private contract bullshit is they do. Mm-hmm. Their delivery sucks, and I guess this is not everywhere, but. We have had almost half a dozen different incidences out at my house of, for Amazon deliveries. And today has just been like the icing on the cake. Not only did the driver fuck my lawn up with his van, but he also threw an empty envelope over my gate and left as if that was not, you know, problematic in any way. So not only did I not get the item that I ordered, but also now I have to file a property damage claim with Amazon, which, you know, is my idea of a really good time. So just Jeff Bezos, if you're listening to this, you can go fuck yourself. You'd probably say that's what you get for living in an area that eats gator raw. Well, you know what? I really don't have anything to come back with on that because it he's probably right. <laughs> But still, yeah, fuck Amazon. That's why it's on fire right now is because they can't get their delivery service accurate. Ah, ah, it's topical and kind of depressing. Yeah, it's Amazon.com's fault. It's all their fault. Did someone just buy a soda behind you? What's going on? Um, it's just the sound of this room. You don't. It's haunted. I think maybe. Yeah, great. That's what I do. Fantastic. Yeah. Did you have to pay extra for that, or is that complimentary? Uh, the haunting. Yeah, uh, it, it costs. It's it's a fifteen dollar premium per night. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, well, I hope it's worth it. Yeah, but it, at least you get you get a discount if you make the ghost moan. So moving on, <laughs> uh, what 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 have you been up to? Because I I didn't even talk about like what I've been playing yet. But we'll just we'll talk about mm. whatever it is you're doing because I'm just still pissed off about okay item deliveries. Okay. So so briefly, I'll just talk about what I'm playing, which is nothing. Before I get into what I'm mm. doing, so first of all, Great. yeah. Uh, uh, well, fuck it. I'm going to screw this all up. So I'm just going to say I'm in uh, Birmingham, Alabama right now traveling. Uh, so that's not what I'm playing. So I lied. So there's your bait and switch. But I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. I've uh, been here. You're playing a 
cousin dating sim. Yes. Um, no, uh, but uh, uh, just <laughs> working on on stuff. It's been actually it's been kind of a rough week with the with the thing I've been working on here. It's uh, eh, it's not a bad thing, but it's just uh, rough work, uh, tedious work. And then I'll be back on Friday, and then I take right back off again on Sunday for Panama City, and then um, get back from Panama City, then fly back out to Memphis, get back from Memphis, and then apparently go to Washington D.C. So um. I'll be, I don't know where exactly I'll be by the time this episode releases. I have no idea. So there, there you go. <laughs> it's 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 Great. an interesting time. Uh, but we need to we need to start like a, a a podcast listener game of like where in the world is Chris? Right, and and then if by the time we get there, it's going to stabilize, and I'm not going to go anywhere. So it'll be extremely boring. It'll just be Jacksonville every week. Well, I mean, I guess at least it'll be easy. So you really haven't had time to, to play anything because you've been just all over the place. Yeah, um, for the most part, just because, you know, I have college, too. I got to keep up with. I'm still doing that thing, and I will probably for another year, which is depressing. Um, <laughs> but I have been playing. I started playing Final Fantasy IV again for the Game Boy Advance. And oh, nice. I played uh, some Fantasy Star last night. I'm considering just doing random pop-in streams on our Twitch channel from time to time, mostly just to populate our YouTube channel with some with some VODs. So um, if you happen to see we're live sometimes, it's probably just me fucking around uh, if it's not on a Sunday stream, just because I probably won't be in town for Sunday streams for the most part anyway. But uh, we'll see how it goes, and it's just more of an experiment and see if it's worth anything. Uh, but other than that, uh, before I left, I played a little bit of Final Fantasy 15, and that's coming to a close. I fucking hope because wow, <laughs> did that game get off the rails in the later chapters? So, um, yikes! Uh, you'll get a rapid fire review of that once I complete it. I don't want to give too much away because uh, that's my intention with it. So, how about you? Uh, yeah, um, a lot of the same stuff really for right now. Um, still kind of jumping into magic. The gathering arena and getting at least some of my my daily goals done um i actually started firing up kingdom hearts 3 again finally and getting back into working towards finishing that game up because i had a, a lengthy hiatus on that uh being distracted by by other games um but i can report that it is still very pretty to look at and and fun to play so enjoying that um Let's see. Other than that, uh, I'm close to finishing up Moonlighter. Um, I think a couple episodes back I'd mentioned I started playing that. It was free on the Epic Games Store uh, several weeks ago. And that one um, I really enjoy, actually. I'll, I'm going to be doing a rapid-fire review on that for our, our patron-only um, bonus audio content feed uh, because I've, I've really enjoyed that. It's basically like... Um, Reketeer, but better so mm. um and yeah man just um keeping up with my couple of uh regular mobile titles and uh and that's about it i think i'm 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 getting i'm getting dangerously close to uh starting world of warcraft classic i actually have a friend of mine now that is going to be joining in and we're going to be leveling characters together so you know, now I've now I've been enabled. So well, it was nice it's, knowing it's only, you, Shane. It's downhill. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's downhill from here. This uh, uh, this uh, just so you know, it's probably the last episode of the Retro Hangover podcast. Been replaced by Shane plays Wow. And uh, thank you for joining us for all these all these episodes. <laughs> we we appreciate it. 
That's right. Yeah, you can just find me on Twitch, just streaming WoW leveling for the rest of my life. Retro WoW over. Yeah, be a good time. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, Hi. um, what 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 are we talking about this week? Oh, yeah, it's a it's kind of a, a pretty big topic, you know. It's another anniversary episode. It's a, another video game system. So, oh. uh, yeah, we're celebrating the anniversary of a legendary system. Um, also, a system that is very topical, uh, regardless of the anniversary, because it has a mini console coming out. This week, we are going to be talking about the ever-immortal Sega Genesis. Uh, I've never heard of it. I don't know. Yeah, not many people who have, especially millennials like you. So, but we can talk about it. I suppose we can, um, or at least you can, because I, I don't know anything about it. So why don't you, uh, why don't you give our, our fine listeners a, a brief history on this supposed Sega Genesis? Nintendo is video games. Video games are Nintendo. This was essentially reality in 1989. The Nintendo Entertainment System saw huge success in Japan and North America following its 1983 and 1985 release, respectively. Its competitors were only seeing any sorts of success in Europe and Brazil. Gaming markets that just don't hold the same influence towards development towards console games as they do in North America and Japan. North America was king, and there was no foreseeable change in rule of the horizon. Or maybe there was. Sega had managed to have the leading console in Europe with the Master System, and they were widely renowned in the arcades. Their library had potential to crack the wall that Nintendo had built, and it wouldn't be long before Nintendo's draconic publishing deals would be proven to be illegal, opening the door for third-party publishers on other consoles. It was time for the 16-bit revolution to begin. The Sega Genesis, called the Mega Drive pretty much everywhere else, started development in 1987 as a response to the success of NEC's PC Engine, a console with two 8-bit processors, with the impression that it was a 16-bit console. It was far more powerful than their master system. Sega decided to utilize their Sega 16 arcade board as a template for their home console, a true 16-bit processor that would bring their most recognizable and popular arcade games to the masses. Games like Altered Beast and Golden Axe could soon be playable and almost arcade-perfect in your home. To accomplish this, Sega would incorporate the then-powerful Motorola 68000 as the main CPU, coming in at a whopping 7.6 MHz, while using the Zilog Z80, the same processor used in the Master System, as a secondary processor to handle sound along with the Yamaha YM2612 sound chip. In June of 1988, Sega would first announce the system in the Japanese magazine Beat, under the development name of the Mark V, an homage to the series of systems that included the Master System. After deciding that the Mark V wasn't a strong enough name, Sega would change the name to Mega Drive, with the name becoming Genesis in North America. Later that year, in October of 1988, the Sega Mega Drive would launch in Japan, alongside Super Mario Bros. 3. This bad luck was certainly foreshadowing as the Mega Drive would only go on to sell 400,000 units in its first year in Japan, and would continue to struggle in its home country, selling less consoles than either the Super Famicom or the PC Engine over its lifespan. 
As many of you know, Sega's lack of success in Japan did not dissuade them from pursuing other markets. Initially slated for a January 9, 1989 release in North America, Sega had to delay because they had no marketing department. After shedding the toy truck company Tonka, Sega went to Atari to see if they would take over marketing and distribution in the region. Atari decided to decline on the basis that the cost of the console was too high. Sega eventually decided to go it alone, and on August 14, 1989, the Sega Genesis was officially launched in New York and Los Angeles with eight games. Alex Kidd and the Enchanted Castle, Altered Beast, Ghouls and Ghosts, Golden Axe, Glass Battle, also known as Fist of the North Star, Space Harrier 2, Thunder Force 2, and Tommy Lasorda Baseball. Europe would see the system released a year later in September 1990, despite being Sega's historically strongest market. Despite having an aggressive marketing campaign that used celebrity licensed games like Michael Jackson's Moonwalker and Joe Montana Football, and an unforgettable slogan of Genesis does what Nintendo don't, the Genesis didn't see immediate success, selling only 500,000 units in its first year. The target for that year was 1 million units. In 1990, Sega of America came up with a plan cut the cost of the console, create an American development division, continue aggressive advertising, and bundle the Genesis with a plucky character known as Sonic the Hedgehog. Sales would explode, and by the time the SNES arrived in 1991, the Genesis had become an established commodity with a lower price point and a larger library, not to mention blast processing, a successful made-up advertising term that was used due to the Genesis's higher clock speed compared to the SNES. The console war had been born. Sega would outsell the SNES in North America for four years in a row until a little game called Donkey Kong Country crashed the party. The Genesis, or Mega Drive, would remain in production until 1999, with sales approximating at 35 million units. Due to its lack of success in Japan, Sega couldn't truly claim victory in the 16-bit console war, but they did show that other parties could enter the market and claim success and radically changed the face of the console landscape forever. And that is your brief history of the Sega Genesis. All right. Well, thank you for that brief history, Chris. Um, so I feel like this is one of those ones where I think you're going to have a lot more to say about this one, because to me, and, and I feel like this is probably going to be blasphemy to a number of listeners and probably you as well, but I... Uh, I always kind of saw the Genesis as like that weird, like Nintendo knockoff that like some of my friends had that I never owned. <laughs> um, that's, that's actually, I would call that fair. Um, that's not really far off that I think a lot of people felt about the Genesis, uh, that were our age. Well, I guess that's good then. Um, maybe I'm, I'm not alone. I don't know because I always see that there's so much love for the, the Genesis slash mega drive. Uh, nowadays, particularly with, of course, people in our kind of age bracket. And I kind of feel like I'm left out of that one because my only real experience with it was going over to um, a friend's house, one of my better friends. And he had, well, he, he was he was a little bit uh, better off than I was. So he had like every console practically, but he was specifically... Me. Yeah, he was basically you, like m minus the weeb part, I think. <laughs> but um, but he had a Genesis, and so that was really the only time I ever played it. And the real like distinct memory that I have of the Genesis, outside of of course like Green Hill Zone in Sonic, um, which I still contend is the only good Sonic level. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> is uh, Primal Rage, actually. Uh. Uh, yeah, yeah, which I believe was also a pack-in for it for a while. And um, I think it just left such an impression on me because at the time there was never really anything quite like that that I had played on my Nintendo. I mean, I'm not saying that Primal Rage was an amazing game or anything, but it was definitely different. Uh, Primal Rage is shit. I mean, I was being nice, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. It's total shit. <laughs> but it had like cool ass beasts in it, man. Oh, the concept's cool. Having a bunch of monsters and and dinosaurs and fart and kill each other. I mean, <laughs> and eat humans. It's, Even though it's, it's, on, uh, it's, it's on every other system, including the Jaguar. I'm, I'm just, mm-hmm. I just find it weird to associate with the Genesis. That's all. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just a personal experience. I had never seen the game before and I honestly don't really think i saw it after and so the only thing i associate it with is the genesis and green hill zone yeah well and that yeah sure okay so my initial um playing with genesis was over at one of my neighbor's house uh when i was Mm -hmm. you know it it was before the super nintendo even came out um which would make sense of course so they had a sega genesis and i for the life of me i couldn't remember what games they had forever just because um you know, as a kid, I don't remember what games there were. And I didn't know what the Genesis was. I just knew what the NES was, and I barely knew what that was. Um, just to had Double Dragon and Super Mario Brothers, and those were the other games I really knew. So right. I went over to their house, and they had this, uh, you know, this sleek black system with this cool-looking three-button controller that looked really edgy and, and, and mature and looked more like an adult product. It looked something cool, like something very 90s cool. And it still looks cool today, but back then it was like very cutting-edge 90s cool. And they had. Well, I mean, their advertising campaign definitely leans into that for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, and of course, it was a black console. And I mean, you had the Atari VCS that had the wood grain, and then you had the NES that had that was you know the gray console, and you just had this sleek black console that was just cool. Everything about it was just very very cool. And they had Sonic the Hedgehog, and I think Outrun. Um, and I mm. don't remember playing Outrun much back then. I don't think I cared for it because I was an idiot. But uh, I really <laughs> liked Sonic the Hedgehog, and I would go over there to play Sonic the Hedgehog, and they would later end up getting Sonic 2. And, of course, another one of my friends had a Genesis as well. But um, it wasn't the first 16-bit console I got. That would be the Super Nintendo. So I got the Super Nintendo before I got the Sega Genesis. But, you know, prices continued to drop uh, for the Genesis, and they came out with a really cool bundle. They came out with the street, uh, Streets of Rage 2 I think they call it the fighter pack back then. And mm-hmm. it was a model one Genesis. Was, they're still selling model ones before the model two. And it didn't, it was a model that didn't have high definition graphics across the top. It was, uh, but everything else was the same. And it came with a turbo controller called the Megafire, And it came with streets of rage two. And, uh, I played the hell out of that game. And, uh, my friends, play the hell out game we we played together all the time and i think that's why streets of rage 2 to this day is still my favorite video game of all time because it's just very playable and i have such fond uh, nostalgic memories behind it but i was still considered the genesis my second tier console uh, i never really liked it as much as the super nintendo and just the general feeling of a lot of people uh, our age is that's kind of how we felt growing up you talk to a lot of people today and they're early to mid thirties. And it was very much the super Nintendo. That was the console of our generation. It's what we identified with, but that's not to say, sure, yeah, yeah. that's not to say I didn't love games like, uh, 
like the Sonic series, which I know you hate because Sonic Three is <laughs> Sonic Three is amazing, and I don't I don't care what you think. You're, you're wrong if you think otherwise. Sonic Three and Sonic Three and Knuckles are amazing games. The Shining Force series uh, are, is really good, and you also have uh, the Fantasy Star games, which uh, which are really good. And those are the games I, I played back then. More so Fa- Fantasy Star Four and Shining Force because I still don't like Fantasy Star Two or Three. They're not really high on my list, but that's all I really played back then until I got into the Castlevania series. And again, I didn't think Bloodlines was anywhere near as good as um, Super Castlevania 4. Uh, but flash forward to today, and I don't have a Super Nintendo or any Super Nintendo games in my house. I have a very, very large Sega Genesis collection, though. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is just because affordability, and two is because... Um, a lot of the Sega games that were coming out were, were just, they were faster paced. They were more arcade oriented. And I've noticed as I've gotten older, those games, I've been much more attracted to those kind of games as opposed to the more elongated, uh, slower platforming games that the Super Nintendo had to offer. So, yeah, I've definitely matured into being more of a Sega fan today than a Nintendo fan uh, for various reasons. Yeah, no, I get you. And I mean, the... I suppose the the notion that the Genesis and the games that it had are overall like more fast paced is not only just the games themselves, but as you had mentioned in the history that, you know, despite the fact that the whole blast processing thing was absolutely just a total horseshit marketing term that they could throw into their edgy 90s commercials to try to sell the system, it was at least rooted in, in some fact uh, just that the say the Genesis CPU was actually faster. And so because of that development for games on that console afforded them the ability to create faster paced games because you wouldn't suffer from a lot of the problems that some other consoles had like, you know, slow down and things like that. I mean, we talked about that, um, on one of the more recent, um, rapid fire reviews that I did for, um, for a, a side scroller shooter and that game, actually any of those, uh, whether it be like, you know, life force, which was NES or, or Gradius three, uh, which was super Nintendo. Um, they all suffered from that same problem of, you know, once you got X number of sprites on the screen, everything slowed to a crawl. Right. And that wasn't as much of an issue with the Genesis just because of the hardware that it had in it. Um, so there was actually physical, you know, kind of evidence for, for backing that whole thing up. And interestingly, even though it seems, and of course this is sort of like anecdotal for us, I guess. Um, but even though it seems that the Super Nintendo is really the thing that I think most of the people that I know, and I think the people that you know, kind of identify with more uh, than the Genesis. Uh, statistically, overall, the, the Genesis actually outsold Nintendo um, on a worldwide scale by quite a big margin. No. Uh, with, a, with, of course, a big part of that being Brazil. <laughs> no, no, not, not, not worldwide. Worldwide... Um... Worldwide, the, the Super Nintendo is is still king by by a wide margin. Mm, when you, are you sure about that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sega is estimated to be around thirty five million. The Super Nintendo is almost fifty million. Hmm. Okay. And that a lot of that well, has to do with Japan, because Japan in Japan the the Mega Drive or Genesis sold like the Xbox. Well, sure, but then again, like the Super Nintendo, like hardly even made an impact in you know a better part of Europe. Um, especially compared to 
like the Mega Drive and a lot of the other like microcomputer systems that were, you know, kind of more popular at the time. And like I said, there's there's also Brazil, which basically Sega is like the Disney of Brazil over there. They they're they're nuts for Sega products. Like in fact, there's actually a company out there that's still manufacturing Mega Drives today. And Master Systems, Tectoy. Yeah, yeah, Tectoy, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean the yeah, it's still technically being produced. The Sega Genesis is still being produced in Brazil by Tectoy to this day, and in, in in a in a form, not like we knew it. Um, but sure. it, it still exists yeah. Uh, yeah. to an extent. But in America, that that the, the key thing is in North America, the the sales mm-hmm. figures on who exactly won the North American battlefront for the console war, that is up for debate. It's it's to be determined whether or not. Sega ended up taking most of the market share from Nintendo because it was outselling Nintendo for most of the the console war in terms not, not by a lot, not by a wide margin, but they certainly were outselling them. And the estimate is Nintendo eventually pulled away in like 94, 95, 96, where the mm-hmm. Super Nintendo still had momentum because you had, you know, Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3, you had Killer Instinct, you had Star Fox, you had those really cutting edge graphical games whereas Sega started focusing more on like the 32X and um, just completely shitting the bed with the you know Sega CD 32X and Sega Saturn and ultimately caused their demise. They couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. And that's kind of the sad thing about the death of the Genesis is just it didn't die a natural death. It died because they added cancer cells to it and decided <laughs> that that was the best course of action. Yeah, it is really unfortunate actually because – by all rights, you know, at least on paper, you know, really bad company decisions aside, the Genesis in a lot of ways is the superior console. I mean, it's got better hardware and Sega was actually, you know, kind of ahead of their time in a number of ways. Um, in, in some ways, even that people weren't even apparently prepared for. I mean, technically, Sega had made official wireless controllers for the Genesis, mm-hmm. but they weren't very well received at the time. And so they kind of backed out of that, which was strange because, of course, now most people would balk at, you know, having to use a wired controller for anything. But they were, you know, probably one of the first to actually do it officially. And not only that, but the Genesis had, you know, had a modem in it like you could connect to the internet with a Genesis and play games, you know, online. And a little bit later in the cycle, I think it was like what the mid nineties or something they had the uh, Sega channel was it the Sega channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a, a couple of notes with that in terms of hardware superiority. Yes. The CPU clock speed for uh, the Sega Genesis is higher than uh, the super Nintendo. It's almost twice as speed. Yeah. Super Nintendo was like 3.8, 3.58 megahertz. However, the, the Super Nintendo had a better sound chip and the Super Nintendo had a higher color palette by quite a, by quite a bit. And in fact, uh, the color palette for the Sega Genesis in terms of colors on screen is lower than the TurboGrafx-16 or PC Engine. So in terms mm-hmm. of actual graphical capability, uh, you could argue that the Sega Genesis uh, wasn't really there. And that's to be expected. I mean, the system was, was being developed in 1988, whereas the Super Nintendo was being developed in like you know, a year after or a year or two after. So they definitely had more at their disposal. Um, but you're right. Sega is very, very cutting edge more so than the super Nintendo was just because, you know, Sega Genesis did have that modem and it didn't come out in Japan. They were thinking about releasing, it was called the mega modem. And if mm-hmm. you look at a lot of early Sega Genesis advertisements, they, they wanted to come out with that. So when you look at, um, 
what they were doing in Japan, like they had side stories that you could download for the Fantasy Star series, or you could play, you know, online competitive Mahjong. And yes, the NES had, yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, exactly what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, let's play Mahjong on our Sega Genesis instead of in real life. That's kind of a, what we do today anyway. But um, like the NES had a modem too, where you could trade um, trade stocks and uh, manage your bank account. You can do that with the Genesis too. But yeah, I know, crazy, right? <laughs> but <laughs> that's why you get a video game console to manage your bank accounts. Um, Absolutely. I mean, how else do you think I bought all that sweet electronics hardware with my with my stock dividends? <laughs> you bought them from your Genesis. That's right. Eighty nine. But um, <laughs> it, it's crazy the because Wolf of Wall Street, but from the bedroom. Yeah. The Sega Channel. The Sega Channel was essentially um like the Satellaview that the Super Nintendo had in Japan, but it was all over. Like everyone had it. It wasn't limited to a region. And as far as the wireless controllers go, um, I own a set, and they're cool, but they're IR. And that's why they weren't terribly well-received. And just, just mm, the nature of everything. Rough. Yeah. I have one pair, and the reason why is, um, I don't know if I've shared my Crusader of Santi story, but I'll just kind of give an abridged version. So I was at a retro game store, and I ended up getting, you know, six or seven very expensive games, and one wireless controller with the adapter for the Sega Genesis for $50. Yeah, it's it pretty crazy. Uh, I pretty much swindled some some guy who was trying to pawn his games off to this retro gaming store. I feel terrible about it now because I didn't know. But in any case, um, <laughs> uh, I saw that there. And, uh, they had both controllers and the adapter. And I was like, you know what? I don't need both controllers. I just need one controller. Not realizing that they all come together in a set because I was just getting collecting at the time and I was an idiot. So... Um, I have one controller from that set, and there's a switch on the back, so you can actually have two people play at the same time. And you, it's still functional on a Sega Master System, which is crazy awesome. Yeah, no, that is pretty cool. Although, yeah, I guess the IR thing, that I, I can see why that would actually kind of suck. Because like, I remember, um, this was several years ago, uh, I picked up, what was it, I think the Retron 3 at the time. Yeah, because the 5 hadn't come out quite yet. And that system had IR wireless controllers, and my God, that sucked. Yeah, it's IRs because you have to keep the controller at a certain level, and you can't move it up and down. And you know how we all are playing those old retro games where we're trying to pretend like we're actually driving a fucking car by moving our car, you know, controller left and right with the vehicle, and you can't do that. Uh, listen, it is scientifically proven that if you lean hard to one side or the other, your car will turn faster. It's it's a fact. <laughs> and then when you need to do something really serious and focus, you have to lean forward. That's it's required. You have to hunch. The hunch is the hunch yeah. is real. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I so I want your opinion on something okay. because I think you've got some better like overall knowledge of the history of the Genesis than I do. Do you think the Genesis would have been more successful than it was? If Nintendo hadn't been purposefully pulling some like power moves and convincing like stores not to stock the Genesis or they would pull out and, you know, some of those other like anti-competitive things like that. Like, do you think that had a big enough impact on their sales? In Japan. Uh, okay. Uh, and the reason I say that is because the the most popular format for video games in Japan is RPGs. And sure, you know, just like any market trends with any with any system is you're going to go where your favorite company is uh, for the most part or your favorite series is for the most part. Right. 
So when you look at America, like the North America, and you had Street Fighter Two, like Street Fighter Two probably slowed down uh, the Genesis's momentum because Street Fighter Two came out for the Super Nintendo, and fighting games were all the rage here in North America. So it actually probably slowed down the Genesis's momentum that it created with Sonic the Hedgehog. I ended up getting mm-hmm. Street Fighter Two later, but again, you had a three button controller versus the versatility of the Super Nintendo controller that had uh, six buttons by default. So you go to Japan. And you look at the Sega Genesis's RPG contingency, uh, it's RPG library, and it's it's total trash. And that's not to say that the game the <laughs> games themselves are trash, right? But there ain't right. shit on there. You got like Fantasy Star, you got Landstalker, you got Shadowrun, uh, and you got Shining Force, and that's pretty much it. Um, you don't have Final Fantasy, you don't have Dragon Quest. So if I'm a Japanese, you know, game player where you know. The Sega Master System and Mark III didn't do very well either, and for many of the same reasons. I mean, again, all they had was like Fantasy Star and some shitty game called Miracle Warriors. I'm not, I'm not buying the Sega Genesis. I have Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest Three. I need to play. I have Super Mario Brothers Three. I need to play. <laughs> um, sure. Why? Why? But in Europe, you have to remember that the Master System was already established, so Sega was a known quantity. Um, mm-hmm. So it was always going to be a battle there. And again, that's what kind of made the Super Nintendo a big deal in Europe was Street Fighter 2. And again, that slowed down the Genesis momentum. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious about that because, I mean, I think they had a pretty small window to actually throw their weight around. It was maybe only the first like year or so because once once Sonic the Hedgehog kind of landed, it was sort of impossible for them to stop retailers from picking up on that craze yeah. anyway. But I, I think in the beginning, they were trying to do all they could to to keep them out of the market if possible, but seems like it maybe wasn't that huge of an impact. Oh, the other thing in Japan too is uh, another great feature of the Genesis is it's shmups, it's shooters. It has a lot of great shooters, it has far more great shooters than the Super Nintendo does. But so well, do- probably also because they actually ran better on it. <laughs> yeah, they could they could actually run on it. Not that they they ran they they actually ran they could run. <laughs> not ran better they actually could function um but the same was said about the pc engine or turbo graphics 16 especially you know when i say pc engine specifically for the reason of japan because you have to remember the the pc engine came out in 87 and graphically at their height it's hard to tell the difference between a pc engine game and a genesis game so if you already have a pc engine and you're into shmups, and that's where you go for shmups in Japan, because they didn't have a lot of RPGs on the PC Engine either until the CD came out. You're, why are you going to buy a Genesis? There was just... Sure. So, like, it was really, really hard for Sega to break out. And Sonic was a uniquely American... He was a uniquely American mascot, which is why it's so <laughs> propelled Sega in North America. It's all that attitude it and was. chili dogs. It was totally attitude and chili dogs, man. It's, that's, that's why he's so fast, because he's farting. And it's propelling it <laughs> with the power of blast processing. Ah, so that's what that really means. Finally, the truth comes out. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Like, the, I guess the interesting thing, too, is like in some ways, um, I guess maybe you could argue that the the Genesis was a, kind of a, a victim of some of its own innovation. Um, like, for instance, you know, back in the day, uh, for any of you – youngins listening who complain about 
paying, you know, 50 or $60 for a video game. Um, fun fact, video games, brand new games have been like in the $60 price range for decades now. It's, it's one of the actually few things that somehow have not fallen victim to inflation. And actually we are better off now than, than we were back then. So there wasn't this concept, right. Of like a, a flat rate for a new game. Um, games were instead, they were kind of priced on, kind of what was under the hood for it. And so it Big was very, power. It was a, right. So it was like a variable thing, you know, some games you, yeah. Okay, great. You'd pay like 59 99 for it at, you know, Sears or whatever. Um, but then you'd have other ones that were on the shelf next to it that were like $70 or something like that. And so following that logic, because the Genesis did have, you know, some, some better processing power and, you know, uh, they eventually came up with a technology that was pretty similar to the super FX that was in the super Nintendo. Um, it gave them the ability to do some pretty basic 3d stuff, right? Like uh, a lot like, you know, star Fox or something like that. You ended up with games when they released new for the Genesis that were like a hundred bucks a piece. And that's not even like a collector's edition. You didn't get a cool ass statue with it. Like that was just the fucking cartridge. You're talking about virtual racing. I am. Yeah. Virtual racing was like the only one that really ever utilized that tech, by the way, on the Genesis. Mm-hmm. And that was pr- pretty much it. But that retailed for a hundred bucks. Um, Fantasy Star 2 was also ninety nine ninety nine upon release. Yep. Which you think about it now, and that's crazy. Like, I would never pay $100 for a new game unless I was getting, I don't know, an ornamental helmet with it or some shit. And that's in today do- today's dollars. Because yeah, this is like oh, yeah. 1988, 1989, 1989. So you, you, know, you have to think $99 or $95 in 1989 bucks is like what? Um, like maybe 180 almost $200 today? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think we brought this up too when we talked about Super Nintendo um, stuff where, you know, I I said that I, I now understand why my parents, um, you know, maybe only bought me like one or two games for Christmas because back then that shit was expensive. Oh, and that's why probably places like Funko Land were, were so much more valued back then. I mean, there's, there's still value oh, sure. today, but like getting a game for $20 back then was a much bigger deal than say today where you know the difference between 60 and 20 isn't as much still not a small difference but it's not as much sure yeah no absolutely so what do you think was the 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 key to uh, the sega genesis's prolonged effect in north america shane like your personal opinion because i've said it kind of previously in a previous episode and i'll say it again but four straight years you know sonic came out in 1990 kept on outselling Mm -hmm. until 94 so it had to have some sort of propelling reason why it continued to sell uh i I feel like this is a test now because you said that you've already said it before so now i'm supposed to like remember what you said this is your opinion this isn't a quiz motherfucker (laughs) just say why you think it happened uh why i I mean i'm probably horrendously wrong but i mean i suppose there could have been a number of reasons i mean to be fair there were like several different variants of like the genesis slash mega drive right like i think just in north america there was like what half a dozen five six three Different variations. Three. I think it was three. Three. How are you counting three? I'm not talking like just Genesis, like one, two, and three. During I'm talking three. like then four. Well, you've also got like the CDX. So four. Right? Okay. So you had you had the Genesis one, but you're are you talking strictly Genesis? Or are you talking about things that could play Genesis games? No, no, like also things that could play Genesis games that were mainstream. Like, maybe not necessarily mainstream, but they were like released in North America. Okay, so uh, uh, all right, so you have the Genesis One. 
I'll, I'll take everything mm-hmm. I know that can play Genesis games. That was released in North mm-hmm. America, to my knowledge. I might miss a couple because they, it was weird back then. Um, yeah, the Genesis one. Uh, you had the Genesis two, uh, and you had the Genesis three was released in like ninety seven or something, which wasn't made by Sega. It was made by Majesco, and it was released mm-hmm. after uh, Sega decided to discontinue it. Um, you have the Sega CDX, which you can play uh, Genesis and CD games, but not 32X games, contrary to what people say. No, the X is just on there because <laughs> X, the letter X is cool, I guess. And then you have um, the uh, JVC XI, also known as the JVC Wonder Mega, but it was called the mm-hmm. you know XI here in North America, which is, it was like the 32X, but the 32X was modeled after a Walkman. Whereas the XI was just more of a standard kind of console. And there are several variants to the XI, but, you know, no one really cares um, about the variants. You just have one, and they break all the time, too. And uh, there's also the Pioneer Laser Active, which had modules that you could play uh, your Sega Genesis games on. And I believe there was a Sega PC that you had a module that you could play your Sega Genesis games on as well. Okay. Well, see then if that's the case, like the stuff that you listed, there's actually more than that then, because what I was kind of referring to was mostly you had, of course, the OG, right? Yeah. Then you had the the updated one that was like a lighter model, which is kind of the Genesis 2. Um, you had like a CDX hybrid console yeah. right? that could play Genesis carts and Sega CD discs. Yeah. You had the Genesis 3, and then you also had a portable Genesis player that was- Oh, the, the Nomad. Nomad. Yeah. Uh, Nomad, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about the so, Nomad. Yeah, so th- that's what I was talking about. But then, yeah, like you also had a shit ton of other ones, right? Because then in the mid-90s, like Sega just started allowing third parties to produce their own weird shit. Like, I mean, that's how you ended up with things like a Mega Drive combined with a boombox. I wouldn't surprise me if that was a thing. Yeah, apparently it is. It, yeah, but did it um, I don't think it, it was America. here though. Yeah, no, no, I don't think it was here. It was in Japan. It was called what was it they called the the Iwa CSD GM One, which was a, a Mega Drive with a boombox on top of it. Yeah, that's 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 probably accurate. <laughs> which, by the way, if you're like under twenty years old or something, you might want to go ask your parents what a boombox is. But or Google that's, it. That's, that's fine. <laughs> they, no, go go talk to your parents. They don't know who they are. So, Bond. A boombox. And if you do, well, yeah, they probably should talk to their parents because if they Google it, they'll probably think it's a transformer or something. <laughs> Is that a Decepticon, mom? No. Well, that's a vibrator. Of, actually, <laughs> uh, I was trying to remember what the hell the name of the actual boombox transformer so, okay, was. Okay. So you're talking about variants, and how do you think that contributed to the Genesis' success? Well, if you're talking about longevity, I was just thinking that perhaps that had something to do with. It may be public perception of keeping it, you know, maybe fresh in in people's minds, you know, if you had different revisions, because I think there was, I, I would probably argue that that was less of a common thing back then to have like multiple hardware revisions of the same system. I mean, at least in my experience, because like, I, as far as I was aware, you know, something like the Super Nintendo the SNES is just the damn SNES and there was not really much different. Now, to be fair, I know that there were at least a couple different things, but you know, um, so I, I, if I'm spitballing, you know, I would think that maybe that had something to do with giving it a little bit more like shelf life. Maybe, um, there is definitely something to be said for their marketing campaign. Like as much as we kind of poke fun at it now, their marketing was amazing. 
It yeah, it really was, and it was a one hundred percent a product of the time, but yes. it worked exceedingly well, right? Because the Nintendo was always, and this is not a negative thing, um, but they always were, and to this day still are, very much you know framed as the family friendly gaming company, and that's fine, and. Personally, I, I love them for filling that space because if I need to have like, you know, a warm and fuzzy gaming experience, I know I can bust out my Nintendo. It doesn't date and that's, itself. No, no, it doesn't. No, not 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 like not like the, the Sega commercials. No, definitely not. Or me when I'm um, in a although hotel room. Or, or that, although maybe I don't want to know more about that. What? Um, what? But uh, although to be fair, though, Nintendo kind of had some answers to to that marketing campaign that also dated themselves pretty badly. But uh, yeah, but no, like I, I think I think their marketing campaign was a really big success, you know, especially here in, in North America, kind of taking that empty spot of where the the older, edgier cousin to Nintendo and we're going to let you play all those games with blood and stuff that like you know, mama Nintendo doesn't want you to play, um, worked out really well. I'm not sure that that would fly today. Uh, it depends on how they did it. Like you're right. It's a product of the times, right? Because when you're advertising doom, like the new doom, it's about how edgy and, and gritty and how over the top it is. And and people love it. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of that is purposefully tongue in cheek though. And I don't think the Sega marketing campaign was, I think they were legitimately like, nah, man, like we skateboard and drink soda. Like we're cool as shit. And your TV, whereas you drink Mountain Dew. (laughs) Yeah. You'll get blown back in your recliner. You know, I'm sure there was some tongue in cheek to it. Uh, The nineties was very just tongue in cheek in general. I don't know. I think some of that stuff took itself a little too seriously. Unfortunately, I'm just trying to pretend that's how it was. Um, sure. Yeah. But I think I think you really hit the nail on the head with the advertising, and that's it, it applied more to Sega. It was more fitting with Sega because Nintendo did try to, its edgy advertising campaign with like play it loud. Uh, so you like play mm-hmm. it loud with the Game Boys, and uh, yeah, now you're playing with power, superpowers, and very edgy. But then when they tried being edgy, they're trying to be edgy with like Yoshi and Kirby. So you're trying <laughs> to get this really Gen X grunge things with the pink fluff ball or a green dinosaur and it just it's way too contrasting whereas opposed to if you're trying to be edgy with a with a, a blue hedgehog with tood or if you're trying to be edgy with you know vector man which is this green thing made of with with balls then you can kind of do that a lot easier than you can with a monkey so <laughs> yeah like they're, sure. they're they're much more edgier grittier campaign just applied more it's just look at shooters. You can do that easy, easier with shooters. That and the fact that Sega Genesis games, just for the most part, in my opinion, on on the ad, on the average, are just darker, uh, more black, brown, and gray type of games. Uh, whereas Nintendo, and that's a lot because their their color palette of colors they can display on screen was also lower. Uh, but you had Nintendo, which was bright and colorful. So, like, you look at Earthbound. This game stinks. We're edgy. Look how look how bad this game is. And it's a colorful kid looking game. And mm-hmm. you're just like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, I mean, th- I think the other part of it, too, was that uh, we were all very much aware that Nintendo's edgier marketing campaign was just like it was painfully obvious that it was just a response to Sega. And I, I think that's kind of what dragged it down as well, is that it, it 
like the perception of it was just, oh, okay, yeah, we we know what you're doing. Hello, fellow okay. children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, play it loud, right? Okay, because you know Sega's got their thing, and so now you're trying to respond, and and I think a lot of that just ended up falling flat. I mean, it's super entertaining to go back and look at now, you know. Yeah. But as far as like a successful marketing campaign, I I don't know. I think they were like, you know, uh, a little late to the party. Yeah, they were definitely playing catch up and that that was evident. You know, as soon as Sonic released, I think Nintendo was caught off guard and I thought they I think they thought they were infallible. Uh and they they could not screw oh, up and people, They absolutely yeah, did. They they were they were Sony when the PS3 released. They were completely caught with their pants down and did not know what to do. Um and they were playing catch up I mean, ever since and they had declining sales for every console up until the Wii. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course it's easy to, you know, be like armchair CEO now, uh, several decades later looking back on it, but I would think that they might have been better off instead of trying to adjust course and catch up with Sega. I really think that they would have been more successful just leaning harder into what they already were doing and what they knew well. And, and I actually, that's one of the things that brought them back around once you got to like, you know, the Wii era. We talked about this in one of our previous episodes um, where that was kind of a big turning point for them, but it was also part and parcel with them really doubling down on their identity as like the family friendly game company. Well, I also, I also think that um, Sega's advertising and we say how great it is, and Nintendo's refusal to really be Nintendo. And I think also Nintendo being Nintendo also contributed to their downfall, much so in the Nintendo 64. Uh, it's during its lifespan and the, especially the GameCube time span. Because, I mean, look at look what happened to them with Wind Waker and how much it got slammed at the time. And Sunshine and all the GameCube games. So, like, when you say Nintendo being Nintendo, yes, you're right. Probably in the early 90s with the Super Nintendo that would have worked. But eventually that kind of hurt them. But what mm-hmm. we saw with Sega and the and the way the Genesis was really advertised is it grew up with the audience. So you had an audience that was weaned on the NES, and then Sega was advertising to the people who grew up with the NES, who got the NES as kids in 1985 and grew up with them. And then when they completely botched the Saturn 32X uh, mid-90s and, and completely lost their market share, you saw that got picked up by Sony, and they became your edgy marketing campaign uh, that was very topical and uh, appealed to older teenagers that had grown up with uh, later NES and uh, the Sega Genesis. Now they picked up those, picked up that audience by maintaining that same kind of more edgier, topical, popular kind of advertising campaign. And that's what we mean. Like when we said Nintendo could not keep up, Nintendo thought that it was just kids going to play games and they never focused on during doing that turnover to the older generation for quite some time. Yeah. And yeah. And it was just, it was definitely a, a huge matter of like right place, right time for oh, yeah. Sega. And, and luckily they made a lot of the right decisions to kind of make mm-hmm. that work. So I feel like this is a foregone conclusion, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, do you feel like the, the Genesis library is still something that people could go back to and get a lot of enjoyment out of today, Mr. I own all of them at my house. I don't own a lot of them, okay? I only have like 150, I think, Genesis okay, games. Okay, only 50, sure. Well, yeah, 150. Okay. Um, oh, 150. Yeah, most Great. of them are sports titles, so they're worthless. Um, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Oh, before I get to that, let me just say, 
that's another reason the Sega Genesis, you know, was was kicking the shit out of the Super Nintendo for a while. NHL 93, NHL 94, okay? Do I need to say anything Hell else? Yeah. John Madden football, uh, Mutant League, like the sports games on the Genesis. In North America, you talk about a driving force. Like, e- Electronic Arts, like, holy shit, did they really sell some Genesis? That was like an older, that was your older teenager playing those games. That was not the market, like the Super Nintendo did not have that market. So, ah, yes, back in the day when seeing the EA logo and uh, hearing EA Sports, it's in the game, game, was actually something you looked forward to. Yeah, back when they they took out full print ads and asked, uh, can a video game make you cry? And they weren't talking about the amount of money you had to spend on DLC to get the full experience. Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, that was another driving factor. And really quick, because... Uh, I said I mentioned I mentioned in a previous episode. But I think the, one of the reasons before I get to is it worth it today, which I we all know the foregone answer to that, is that the mm-hmm. Genesis uh, compared to the Super Nintendo was releasing uh, game after game after game after game every single month for the Genesis. There was some game that you didn't need to get, but you could get. And you could see yourself playing. So while the Super Nintendo for a while was releasing you know very high quality games, they're releasing a a plus games. And I'm even going to say this isn't a completely original thought. If I had the source that had it, I'm trying to – if I had credit, I could give – remember who I got it from, I'd give credit to it. But this was – and I stand by what they said. The Super Nintendo had A-plus games. So like Super Mario World and The Legend of Zelda and Super Metroid. But they were spaced out so long, like this Nintendo trademark uh, for a very long time where games were just dripped, dripped, dripped to you in a slow uh, space over much time. Sega would have a game all the time, and they may not be A-plus games. It might be B-plus games or A-minus games, but it would be B-plus, 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 over and over and over and over and over again, whereas the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. you weren't getting that game all the time. So it's kind of like, would you rather have a decent beer uh, once a week or have a really good beer uh, once every six months? Now, if you like beer, you'd probably take the decent beer once a week instead of the really good beer once every six months and not have any beer at any other time. So I, that's, oh, yeah. that's kind of why, you know, the Sega Genesis, I think really, uh, captured the hearts of older gamers, uh, teenagers, uh, uh, prepubescence, as opposed to us as younger kids. Cause we were still focused on playing those games. Like Super Mario. Yeah, well, I mean, and you know, it's, it's consistency and regularity, oh, you yeah. know, getting your stuff in front of, you know, in front of people, over and over again in a much more rapid fashion, it's going to be in the forefront of their mind. So, you know, of course, that's going to work out much better. So, uh, back to your question before I went on my tirade. Um, yes. Is the Sega Genesis library worth it today? I would say absolutely yes. And um, I think it's one of the best consoles to collect for nowadays just because it has such a robust library. You have plenty of classic games and uh, they it is highly affordable compared to uh, the Super Nintendo. Um, you could also say the same thing about the PlayStation and the PS2, but you know you look at the graphical variations on those games because the prices are still cheap for those, but you have the early polygonal and then you have the kind of weird uncanny valley compared to what you have today. So when you really look, if you like 16-bit games, if you like that two-bit, uh, 2D a- aesthetic, the Genesis is the way to go because you can still get tons of quality games for under $15, like mainstream, mainline games that everyone played 
that you won't have to shell out the big bucks for like you do with the Nintendo Premium. Well, I don't, I don't have anything to add to that because you've you've pretty much covered it all, and I agree with you anyway. So you're 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 the Genesis boy, so I'll, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> oh yeah, and the Sega Genesis Mini comes out uh, this month. They're not advertising, they're not paying us, but it's really cool. So uh, if you like the Sega, there's your there's a there's a chance. Please uh, please pay us Sega because we are shilling for your product. <laughs> We'd love it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of that, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, but um, we also want to wish a happy belated uh, 30th birthday to the Sega Genesis in North America. Uh-huh. That happened just recently. So, uh, again, North America, we don't care you. about the rest of the world, only North America. Yeah, that's right. We're a painfully Amerocentric podcast, and that's fine. The Painfully Amerocentric Podcast. That's actually a really good title. <laughs> I, should go reg- I should go register that URL before it disappears. <laughs> Make North, uh, make North American gaming great again. That's what we do here hey, at the Painfully Amer- Amerocentric podcast. That's right. Gaming Amerocentric podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, so I guess, uh, yeah. So I guess with that being said, um, probably about time that we're wrapping this bad boy up. Um, uh-huh. So a- as we usually do, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, you can do that by either, you know, reaching out on Instagram or Facebook uh, or email if you'd like, uh, which is uh, podcast at retrohangover.com. Um, you can also go and check out our Patreon, which is uh, up and running. If you like what we do and you would like to get access to some uh, bonus audio content that is exclusive to our patrons, uh, you can donate at the 16-bit tier and get access to that immediately. Uh, as a matter of fact, at the time of this recording, we have another episode, our previous one, that's just about to come out in a couple days. And let me tell you, there is a lot of uh, bonus content from that one in the form of a lot of outtakes because it was an interesting recording session. So if you want to kind of hear some behind the scenes stuff, uh, go check out the Patreon. You can get there by just visiting uh, bit.ly slash rhpatron. And um, of course, we still have the merch store available at bit.ly slash RHP merch. And uh, Chris, do you have anything else to add before we uh, skedaddle out of here? Last process. Great. All right. Well, until next time. Play with your six mega power joysticks. (laughs) 